and nobody misses like this, man. It's crazy. Welcome back, everybody. Backlash Radio. It's just me, me and by myself today. Nick's got some things going on. Plus, it's his birthday, so it's just me, Anthony from the Blood Money and Hook Optics. And I got a great guest today, Marty Bates, um, captain, former captain of the La Onda program, and moving to work for uh, Sam on Sam Peters on their new uh, GNS. So I'm just excited to talk to you. Marty, about uh, Cape Verde and your career and everything like that, man. Super. Roger. So, how's it going, where, bro? Great, man. Um, where do you? Uh, how'd you get into this, and where where are you from? I don't even know that. I was born in England, and uh, when I was one, we turned up in New Zealand and immigrated to New Zealand. Um, so I'm a bit of a mixture, but uh, spent all my life pretty much in New Zealand till I was got into my early mid twenties, and then. Went up on the reef, got a got a job up on the reef. That's a there's a long story before that, but I don't want to bore your customers. And um, yeah, uh, one thing led to another. Started fishing New Zealand, Australia, and Hawaii. Did a circuit there for a few years, up to the Azores and Azores, Ghana. Um, shit, Croatia, catching bluefins in Croatia, and over over to North Carolina, South Carolina, just moved around looking for jobs and working, you know, how how your freelance mates do these days. Mm-hmm. And um, the company I was working for in Ghana, we moved from Ghana to Ascension and, and after Ascension was sort of, we sort of been there for a few seasons and stuff and then we moved to Cape Verde and I moved up to Cape Verde in 06 working with uh, Zach Onde on, the, on, the, on a boat called the Andromeda, which is still there. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. So, but uh, so blah blah blah. That's just real short. Well, I want to now that I hear about all these places. I want to hear about. I mean, your your time in in Ghana and Ascension. I mean, those those are two places that I mean Ooh, are hard to yeah, get to. Yeah, it's over twenty years ago. Now let me get my yeah. brain sorted out here. Um, yeah, Ghana was really cool. That was a an interesting an interesting location and big fish. Just heavy tackle, 130, basically not much bait and switch fishing in those days. We were just pulling lures on 130 and uh, running out of the inlet there at Adafoa, which is about an hour and a half out of the capital of Accra. And we were running out of the Volta River, working up in there. We we had a we had a house, a crew house with a floating pontoon and the Haramatan and the, and the Shy 3. And, um, yeah, and after, after we did... I was there from 1999 to about 2002. We took the boats out of Ghana and went across to Ascension Island when Ascension Island opened up. So there was, uh, yeah, about 1,300 and something miles between Ghana and Ascension going out to the middle of the Atlantic with two sport fishing boats. It was pretty cool. What kind, how know, big a, what kind of sport fishing boats were they? Uh, one was the Haramatan's a 36 Rampage, and we, I was on a 37 Bertram called the Shy 3. Okay. The yeah. rampage is still in uh, Ascension, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's up on the hard there. I think uh, they okay. uh, they they dropped our boat out of the slings there. That when I wasn't there when it happened, but uh, the boat was uh, coming out, which I've been out on that boat, standing on that boat many a times, coming out of the water on the pier head in Ascension, coming up to the uh, like a a low riding truck that we used to put the boats on to take them out for the winter, and anyway, it slipped out of the slings. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there was a big story about that, but uh, 
boat hit the pier and broke into a thousand pieces in the water there and ascension right at the pier head there. Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, Harimatan's still there. Harimatan's still there. But um, yeah, after Ascension, moved down to Cape Verde 2006. Yeah, I was I in Ascension. That's... First got to Ascension 2002. I think it was in June, the 6th of June or the 9th of June. I can't remember right, but it was early June. Yeah. Then what was the fishing like there, man? Like, I mean, oh, yeah. When we first got there, it was everything. It was like a, a land of the lost, you know, like nobody's touched it. Just some local guys catching tunas and stuff. And yeah, we had good marlin fish consistent as what we we seen in ghana but um yeah we saw some tussle with some real big fish there and saw some absolute monsters and massive schools of yellow fins and big schools of tunas and you know it was a it was a wild destination that's for sure yeah that's i mean it's in the middle of nowhere is that place super is that affected by like a current like it can be yeah. really hit or miss yeah, for sure. You know, there was a few, few, few other fellows fishing there after I left because I had enough. I, I was sort of, I was sort of done my time there. I lived on the island I, at one stage. I was there for like sixteen months on the island, doing all sorts of stuff, looking after the boats and bits and pieces, and living there. But um, yeah, it's uh, some. The current flows good there and pushes the good water into it. It's good fishing. If it don't, it could be too hot. No fish around. But it's a swing and a miss. But they are giants there, you know. That's the that's the beauty of ascension. That's where the big girls are. Yeah. But um, I could say that. But like last year in Cape Verde, there was a thirteen seventy caught, you know. On so there's some big ones around ascension as well, and some yeah. big ones in there's some big ones in the Gulf today. My friend Olds. Yeah. Uh, Scotty on the True Grit there. He got is it no? What's that boat called? Not True Grit. Is it? Uh, I'll find it real quick. Yeah, they caught it. I think it was a 1140 something. Yeah. yeah, in the Gulf. Well done, the Gulf. Yeah, they've been. I feel like the Gulf has been waiting for that fish for a long, long time, just as a as a fishing area together. Yeah, Scotty Anderson's a great joke. I fished with him in, in the Azores, and he's fished with me in Cape Verde. So, well done to Scotty. Yeah, it's awesome, man. That's a huge fish. Chris Mohad and all those boys on that team. Yep. They sound like got a good bunch of fishermen there hanging out together. Yeah. That's yep. incredible. So yeah. So you go to Ascension. And then when did you make it to the Azores? Azores, I imagine. Oh, you know, Azores. We, we hear nine we hear and nine so much. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine I was in the Azores and um fresh out of New Zealand, peeing as mustard. Went up there. Did my first season there. I've I've been fishing on and off in the Azores. Oh, I was there last year. Had a good bite last year, but um, well, oh, had a really good bite this year. I missed out on that because I'm um, I'm waiting on my new boat with Sammy. But uh, Olaf and the boys had an extremely good bite up there. Big fish and good numbers. So I'm happy yeah. for those guys. You know, is that something that? I mean, I feel like you've heard about the Azores like recently, for you know that it's been so great but is that something that's gone back for for years and years oh it's yeah it definitely fluctuates there it's not always red hot you know we've been seasons there where it's been very slow and we've caught lots of white marlin you know some seasons there the whites show up and you're getting 30 bites 40 bites and whites a day you know wow and you may only see you may only catch a handful of blues in that season but uh you know the last few years have been pretty good 
but uh, this year was a bumper year. But that's fishing, you know. It's uh, yeah. it's hard to say. Whatever place is always constant, you know. Do you find Cape Verde to be the most most consistent oh, place for Bloom yeah. Islands? Uh, yeah, but I'm biased, you know. I, I built a house down here recently. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, mate, that place. If you if you get a good week in Cape Verde, mate, you're gonna you know shit your pants. That place has got size and numbers. Um, that's a you might get rats, but also you'll get the nice ones climbing in there too. But I've seen my best fishing of my career in Cape Verde. I really have. And I, that's no lie. That's that place when it's going good, it's unreal. And it's all about current. As far as I'm concerned, I could be wrong, but uh, for me, it's about current. Current right is pushing in right. You're going to get some good fishing. That's what it I seems reckon. like. It seems like most of these islands, like what I would consider island fisheries, like the Azores, Cape Verde, Ascension, it, it all has to do with the like a, a a prevailing current, and if it moves the right way, you're, it's going to be good. And if it doesn't, it, it's kind of tough. Yeah, that makes sort of sense. Um, yeah, we oh we sorry, my phone just moved. Yeah. Um, we all work together in Cape Verde looking for the fish, you know, and <laughs> we've had a lot of foreign boats down there this year, or international boats and crews coming, and everybody's been real cool with info, so it's really helping out with to locate these fish and. As you're getting all this info, you can put one and one together and see what the current's coming on, fish track or whatever device you're using to look for mm -hmm. current and detemp. But, um, yeah, for sure, man, um, I'm 100% I'm sure it's got a, something to do with this current pushing in, into the water from the deep, you know, bringing mm -hmm. all the nutrients, bringing, bringing something. It's got to the, – the flow will bring something. Yeah. You know? You got to. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the same with Kona. You know, they they have the same as well. They have uh, when the current's pushing in really good, and they have good fishing. So it's got to be something similar to, similar to do with the current, I think. Yeah, and is that something that fluctuates on a seasonal basis, or is it more of a day to day or a week to week thing? Well, yeah. Well, some seas. You know, I always say no two seasons the same. That's yeah, my old sure. rule. And um, but when I see the currents coming from the west, when in Cape Verde, I'm looking pretty good. I like that westerly current, you know. But yeah, had some seasons here with currents pushing down from the north, and the fishing's still been good. But the fish are just sitting in different locations. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, do they tend but, to sit on the on the lee side of the current, or the or the uh, on the? I always find out where they're sitting. I'm I'm pretty sure they're sitting on the top end of the current before it hits the rocks, before it hits your landmass. I, mm -hmm. I, I think he's just out a few miles from there. I got you. But, you know, that's uh, there's different places that work that way and different places don't. But uh, the funny thing is the more I do this, the, the more I find out, the less I know about it. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, man. I know exactly mm. what you mean. I'm just a uh, fisherman like you. Mate. We like to fish, try to do different things. And, um, you know, that's that's what I love about fishing is you're going back the next season, you still feel like it's your first. That's yeah. what I like. You don't know what's gonna happen. You see some similarities on the way, but if if it got if we were all just catching that easy, I'd probably be pretty bored of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's so why I'm a little bit worried about this omni sonar we're getting in the GNS. I'm like, it's gonna take the fun out of it a little bit, but I'm gonna I enjoy it. Let me tell you, it ain't got it. <laughs> it don't make it that that much easier. It'll turn a day where where you were doing, in my experience, where you might have caught three or four into maybe five or six. But it, you you know you right. still it doesn't just you still got to yeah. be in the right spot, man. Like it's yeah. you still got to do everything that 
that you would normally do and then and then use that i've done a couple of days on some boats down there to get lucky with the captains and they gave me a couple of days sonar training and i really mm. appreciated that and saw how they were working the units and stuff and yeah it's 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 still fishing but it's it's definitely going to help you that's what i like yeah. about it because I like to catch those things, you know, I really do. So that's going to help us do that. So happy days. Nice. So yeah, let's get into your time at Cape Verde in Cape Verde, man. You got there, you said you got there in 06. Yeah. 06 was my first season. And what was that place like? I mean, nowadays, you know, there's, there's $10 million sport fish operations there, but I can't imagine it was like that in 06. <laughs> no, I pretty, it was, it was pretty more raw, I should say. And um, but it's a beautiful place, man. The people down there are so good, man. The Cape Verdeans are they're real people, man. They're they're not uh, influenced by the outside world so much. People hold their culture, if I could say that. And um, yeah, man, it's it was a uh, it was a cool place because it was all new for us. And the bite, the fishing in those days was, yeah, we had some slow days, but we had some red hot fishing down there, which was just unbelievable. You know, twenty five bites a day from Blue Marlin, Jesus. and in the early days. In the early days, we weren't pitching too many baits. We were more of a lure fishing, uh, you know, outfit. Mm -hmm. But then we, as we slowly progressed and learnt and started pitch baiting and stuff, and it, it changed down there. So the fishery predominantly when we were there was all pretty much everybody was just trying four lures, maybe five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, the it was a charming place, you know, live music and nights you know uh quite sort of not mainstream tourism so it was still pretty delicate in the society of the culture of the island if you know what i mean yeah yeah how many boats how many boats were fishing that area back then or, oh i think fishing? it was six. Oh, there was six boats and on a good day you might get five of them out yeah gotcha and you that know? was probably instead of like well, i can't Every, imagine it's crowded there Every, now but Everybody would be hooked up on good days. Everybody would be yeah. hooked up the whole day. All boats wow. would be just, you know, 10 feet. I was sitting at the dock with Zach, and we weren't starting till the 27th of March, and the old 31 boat down there called the Babiche, they were coming in every day with six flags, eight flags, nine flags, six flags, and we're sitting there working on our boat waiting for our charter. They're already chartering. Yeah. And uh, we're just, me and Zach are just pulling our hair out, mate. It's just yeah. coming off. Oh, my God. You know, it was just insane fishing. Yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm happy to see those days, and I know they'll come back, you know. I'm yeah. just waiting on the currents. Like Azores had those currents this year, pushing in those fish. You know, it's, you want if you're going to get a, in a bite, you got to be around for the bite. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel, is there any correlation and maybe, I mean, it's such a vast area. I think, you know, I think of the Azores and, and the Canaries and the Cape Verde is all kind of the same type of fishing. Like it's in from there, it's that direction for me, but they're all completely different, you know, and they're yeah, so far yeah. away from each other. Yeah. So, I, I've only done a, a few months in the Canaries and fishing in, in Puerto Rico there a little while back on a 31 footer uh, that's now in the Azores. But um, yeah, Cape Verde's different. Just then the Azores because we're mo we're we're sort of like more mobile. We're fishing a, an eighty to ninety mile uh, range of three different islands from mm -hmm. Savasent to Santantao to the west to over where I built my guest house in uh, Saint Nicolau. 
you know, and um, now there's, there's there's a big range of area to fish there, man. So we're covering a whoa, sorry, man, covering a lot yeah. of water. Get that phone sorted out. Yeah, we're covering a lot of water. So, um, as always, you've got a lot of banks off there to fish, and you're fishing around islands and, and in the Lees as well when the weather comes up in the Azores. You know, that North Atlantic, you've got some heavy water up there at times too. Sort of same as the Cape Verde, we're fishing in the Lee water, but further on in the season, we get more, more of a calmer time, and sort of like from July onwards, gets calm down there, and it's a good time to fish. Um, we're going to probably be fishing near August and September this year. I've done it a few years back with Zach, and we we saw some good. We pulled up some good numbers at that time of year. Um, but also uh, the Azores, man. As I say, you've got a lot of area. It's deep up there. There's a big ocean. Both spots are good spots because we can yeah. access deep in good area. You know that's that's why I think they're good marlin destinations. They're a good gamble to go marlin fishing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I hope that I answered that question right. I got no, a no. Off. Yeah, no worries. So you started there in, in 06 and then yeah. were you did you were you fishing as a as a deckhand there or did you were you running yeah, a boat I, by then? I did the first four seasons with Zach um crewing, working with him because we worked for the same company. We got the Andromeda slowed down and the guy pulled out of that. And so we got with another guy from Denmark and we got the 36 uh little 36 Bertram called the Amelia when she was white or oh, she was blue originally blue I worked for Zach on that for two seasons and then I got my get then I sort of like parted ways with Zach said, and I said listen bro I'll do my own thing and I started working with the Honda company that was in a little 33 Bertram they still have that boat yeah. right they still got it there yeah it's still right there I had Chase Travers driving that this year he was down there Giving it a go, he got the world record on fly on it. So that that young wow. fella's done, Bob. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, it, you know, down there there was so small boats, but you didn't need a big boat down there because the fishing was right out front. It was, yeah, it's, there's some sea down there and stuff. But really, when the fish are biting, you don't care about a little ten knots of breeze or fifteen knots of breeze, especially if you're fishing sure. in the lead. But um, yeah, it was uh, Cape Verde's a uh, it's a pretty cool spot. Most people that are fishermen that go there understand it, you know. It uh, can be rough as balls, mate. It can be really, really rough. It can be very horrible, but then it can be really glamour. It can be really flat, calm, and nice. You just yeah. got to get lucky days. But you can still, like, if you were, if somebody were to book a trip there, it's still fishable more days than not, correct? Oh, I think um, in the since I've been there 17 seasons, I've lost about two days of fishing. Wow, I gotcha. So you don't lose many days. Okay, gotcha. And it then blow every now and again where you just don't want to go, but you can go and you can still yeah. fish good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then um, so when did you started running the 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 first Londa boat, the 33 yeah the Honda Emma it was the Honda Emma first it was a 33 Bertram and I run that for four or five years and then after that um yeah the boss he was like let's look for another boat and I said okay let's have a look around we had a real budget and uh we ended up with a 38 Henricus yeah it was up in uh, Connecticut above New York there 
So we brung that down, and that's the Lalonde Miller. I've been on that since. Yeah. Tell us about that boat, man. I mean, that's a there's a lot of them here on the East Coast, and I don't think oh. you know nobody's really really understands what a boat like that is capable of. You know, I mean, you guys are fishing in some some pretty big water and 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 a, yeah, in a pretty wild area. Oh, for sure. I, hey, I put that boat through its paces, man. I've been out there with uh, in some monster seas and felt pretty comfortable and still in control, you know. And um, yeah, it's got a great. Uh, the engine room on those boats is set up real good. You can pull the hatches and you can get all the way around your motors. Um, it's got big fish boxes in the back. You can you pull those up and you can get down to where your through holers and your dripless seals are. It's got a seal bulkhead to where your rudders are. So if you do bust a rudder, you can you're still good. Um, big long cockpits, short stubby little bow, good head sea boat. Man, that thing could run through that for a thirty eight footer. Yeah, she's all right. Um, I, I rate those little Henrikuses. I, I got the first one down there, and now there's there's two others down there. There's two really? more yeah. came down. Another thirty eight and another forty four. So they, you know, that those owners or those guys that are running them, they looked at my boat first and they were like, "Yeah, this boat's put together pretty good." Yeah, uh, it's a tough boat. It's it's all hand laid fiberglass. So I've been all over that boat. Oh, it's got some cracks in it now after. Me been driving that for eight years, you know, out to the northwest bank and some big sea out there, and uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know, I don't know how much my 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 uh, my vote is worth, but uh, I, I that was a really good boat. I really enjoyed fishing on that Henry because she's she's good in the sea and she backs down good. She's not so good out of the out of the hole because the props are quite close together and it's a long long skinny boat, but um, backing down. Shit, man, you can surf that thing up there real good. It's a you cut them off at the pass, no problem. Really yeah. good, really good little boat. And you can ask most of the anglers that fish with me. You know, they're very happy with that little boat. I feel I was looking at I was looking at pictures of your of you. It seemed like you could have you know three four three four people in that in the cockpit, no problem. Very very comfortably. Yep. Yeah. Sunshade on there. We build locally. We build a sunshade, and and I put some uh, side weather curtains in there just to keep everybody a little bit more dry and comfortable. And everybody loved it, man. It's uh, yeah. a nice size space for a thirty-eight, you know, for a yeah. a, a day boat. Yeah, for sure. What yeah. uh, what? I mean, Cape Verde is a super isolated place. Like, what challenges do you guys have running running? You know, a charter boat operation there. Like, as far as getting getting stuff to for maintenance and maybe improvements or you know if oh. you spin off a wheel or something like that like it, so yes. what do, how do you guys approach that well the cape verdians down there they got a machine shop down there there's amazing these guys are very very capable of doing a lot of jobs mm-hmm. you know i tell you what if they did have a decent haul out yard there there'd be a lot more american boats going there but they've got a set of railway tracks and you you float onto it like a trolley you tie up to the trolley, then they haul you out on the tracks. You know, it's yeah. uh, I'm not going to do a boat, but I'll, I'll get a crane and some straps and crane it off a wall. I know a different space. But, um, th- yeah, there's there's lack of amenities for looking after a boat, really. Yeah, for you sure. Know? You've got to go back up to the Canaries, but I don't think we, I don't think I want to do that all the time. I, I I know we can look after that boat pretty good there. you got to fly in mechanics if you've got any major issues, but generally – we try and fix everything ourselves, you know. We're not we're jack of all trades, a master of none, so to speak. You know how charter boat captains are, mate. You get yeah. it done, you can go fishing. 
But, uh, yeah, that's the hard part is boat maintenance is up to you. You know, looking after your vessel is up to you. There are some trades down there that can paint. There's some French polishers. There's some mechanical guys. There's some guys that can scrub your hull. You know, you've got some general stuff that you can do, but any high-tech stuff, you either got to fly someone in or know someone you can trade out days to come and do some, swap some work out. But that's a, yeah. that's the joy of being down there, man. You know, you're not yeah. in a place everybody wants to be. Yeah. It's a wild, you know, it looks like a wild place. Yeah, I, I, I urge anybody that's really keen on marlin fishing to come down and go fishing down there. Fish mm -hmm. five to seven days because it gives you more time to mooch around the islands and find out where the bite's at. And, uh, yeah, it's an adventure fishing still. It's still like an adventure. Yeah. The islands are really cool, man. The islands are – Cape Bird Islands are – they got some nice things to see there. Nice. Yeah. But, yeah, you know – they got fruit and vegetables. There's frozen goods there, so you you can feed your you can feed your charter pretty good lunches. You know, um, basically tackle we can get down there with the American crew coming or somebody coming. Most of my charters come from the states, so I just send them something or ask them if you can pick me up this. I've had radios, VHF radios picked up. I've had engine parts picked up. I've had this and pallets and all sorts of stuff over the years. You know, just yeah. rig it up time and. And uh, do you, yeah, do you have remote. trouble getting have trouble getting them in there with importation tax or anything like that, or just kind uh, of? If it, yeah, it's a bit of a gauntlet there when you run through customs, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can you can get most stuff in there, man. I've been in through there, but then when they stop you, you just got to pay. You know that's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean then, it's already there, so they're not going to keep it for a month. They're going to say, "Here, you pay, you can go." You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so it's pretty good like that, but um. It's definitely, if you're shipping things in containers and stuff, you have to clear customs. It takes a little while. But uh, if you know ahead of time and you can expect that time to be, you know, a month in customs waiting for all your stuff, you can you can pick it up and get everything worked out. But it's yeah. definitely backwards down there. It's definitely it's definitely island time. Everything's slower. And they're not going to get yeah. everything done bang, bang, you know. All, all things you got to account for when you're running – running an operation like you guys how many how many uh it's stressful bro really stressful man because you got all these people coming in for a season you got this problem that problem makes you go gray pretty quick you know the charter boat captain who thinks those guys would stress out there's a lot of stressing yeah. going on there yeah what's the speaking of the season what is the what is the typical Cape Verde season or what i mean obviously you're you're talking about fishing later in the year but it's more oh, of yeah. a Earlier in the year, like springtime is typically where it kicks off. I'll tell you what, bro. Um, I've been I've been hearing guys catching blue marlin there in early February. It was straight mm -hmm. out in front of the harbour. You know, I'm talking two miles out in front of the harbour, catching six blue marlin in a day in February. The weather's good. The current's pushing in right. They're there. We I always start in March because I always think March, the water starts to usually turn to more warmer water, better for blue marlin, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, we fish up. We've always usually finished around there after July, but the fishing's still good there in July. Yeah, the boys on Wave Pavers seen an absolute monster there, and I think it was the first week of August. They said it was the biggest fish they've seen in their life there. So, we a lot of people say we leave there too early, but you know the other destinations are starting to heat up. The wave mm. of fish are coming through, like the Canaries and the Azores, in in end of July. You know, but. Uh, 
we're going to be doing a few test runs down there to find out how long this season actually is because I think yeah. it's going to be going to August and September easy. Plus all the local commercial fishermen on the island where I built my guest house, they all telling me big fish, uh, big yellowfin tuna and big eye time is August, September. That's when they do their best fishing. Yeah. So oh, interesting. that stuff, that stuff's rock and rolling around the place there. You know what else is going to be there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, nobody knows me. There's not enough. There's not enough people fishing there to yeah. do, to say. You know, we need like four or five boats fishing August and September all the way through to find out actually what's going on. Yeah, I fished. Yeah, I fished there back in 2007 or was it eight with with uh, Zach, and we raised like 16 fish one day in like September. Wow. You know, and it, it, nobody knows, man. Nobody knows. It's waves of fish coming through. Yeah, you know? where do they they typically come off the 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 uh, continent of Africa, or are they they come in? You say it's a west the westerly currents the best, or are they coming out from the middle of the ocean? Yeah, I like that myself, but uh, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people have got their say in the matter. Where's going? Mm -hmm. What's going on? I don't really know, man. To be honest, they it's all theory, um, isn't it? You kind of it is. You, yeah. Nobody's got any proof, man. It's just a theory sort of deal, mm -hmm. but. Um, when you see that good water, good temperature, you're. I'm a definitely a sign sort of guy. I'm looking for bait sign. I'm looking for birds. I'm looking for all the sign that I can think of that I know yeah. I've had good fishing before. That's what I look for. And when I see that westerly current, I always like it. I'm always like, yeah, yeah. That's you get good. that good feeling. Good. You start to see your signs, and you're like, oh, well, oh yeah, I should, I should probably see one here soon. And then, oh, there it is. <laughs> then you're nearly getting spoiled on your teaser. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh speaking of teasers and stuff like that, let's talk about like the actual fishing. Let's talk about what a day in Cape Verde looks like as far as like the time you leave the dock and then and then we'll get into how how you guys actually fish, you know, and what the different yep. scenarios on the different islands may be. Well, my time I leave the dock all fluctuates um with how the fishing is going in those prior days to us leaving for that charter. Um, so if it's really good and I know where they're at or what, I'll, I'll leave early. I'll say, hey, guys, let's meet at the boat at 6.30. It's maybe late for you guys in the States, but that's quite early for us over here. And We'll mm -hmm. do breakfast and coffee and toasted sandwich or something on the boat, egg sandwich or whatever you, whatever's going on. And, um, yeah, we'll get down to our zone and we'll fish there. And um, depending if which island it is too, because we might be on, there's three different islands we fish, so it all depends on that. But we'll leave about 6.30 and, as I say, give our give our charter a run through the whatever and how we're fishing. Um, yeah, and move down to our spots and fish our spots down there. And if we're coming back to the main port in Mondello and they're staying in the hotels there, I'll try to get back in there between 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock. They, they get a pretty good charter day for me i don't just do eight hours you know it's yeah. usually between if it's a shitty day i might do nine and if it's good fishing i'll do 10 to 11 at times you know well you'd rather catch be... them too <laughs> oh man that's the whole part of the job isn't it you want to catch yeah. them i want to catch them more than the charters it sometimes man <laughs> yeah yeah so but so so you leave the dock and then say I mean, do you have to run very like if you're fishing out front? Is oh, your do you I run will, very I, far at all? I run if the guys want to pay me to run. That mm -hmm. running our boat is a small extra charge when I was working for La Onda, and I'll yeah. run wherever 
you know, if they want to do that, we can do that. But otherwise, I just troll down, take it easy. Everybody has their breakfast, and within ten miles, we're at the ground. If we're fishing yeah. out the South St. Pedro, but if we're fishing out the front, we're there in twenty minutes. You know, we're right mm-hmm. there. So it, it all depends. And when you're fishing over in St. Nicolau behind my island, as soon as you leave the port, you put the gear in because they could be right there in about two minutes. Yeah, it's right out front, man. That do you ever look from? Do you ever look from your house and be like, all right, well, like they see the birds or something. You're like, oh, oh that that's where I'm sure. But Devin Silas on the shoe was moored outside my house on a on a mooring boy there. One of our moorings out front of my house. And I'm sitting with my charter having bacon and eggs, looked off the porch and Devin's put him in and he's just hooked up on the drop off about two miles <laughs> up from my house. I'm saying that's bloody disgusting. Could have waited <laughs> our breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny, eh? Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah, but when the fish when the fish show up on that Saint Nicolau behind there, ask your dad, man. Ask, I mean, um, your uncle. My uncle, yeah, yeah, he's seen it good there, man. And um, well, not real good, but when it fires off there, it's like a it's a big it's a big lee. So you're fishing in a big lee for flat water and deep, you know, blue marlins. Yeah. You know, two miles from shore. That's good. Incredible. Yeah. And you, but, your house there, you have you have places for people to stay at your house there? Yeah, got four double rooms there. Got a rooftop bar. It's pretty simple. It's pretty laid back, but uh, everybody seems to like it. It's, it's a fisherman's house. It's clean rooms, double beds, uh, air-conditioned, toilet and shower in each room, a nice private balcony. It's, uh, yeah, man, it's just what I could do with at the time, you know? That's beautiful, but, man. Um, that's, yeah, man. People people like it. It's got a good atmosphere. Nice. Yep. So, so all right. So you leave in the dock, you, and you're setting out wherever you set out. What is you? You know, you you spoke a lot about your uh, that you guys have been. You, you a lot of places. You started lure fishing originally, but now you switch to bait and switch, or maybe a combination yep. of what? Yeah, what? What? what what brought that on? I don't know. Just, um, you know, evol- evolving with the times and listening to guys pitch baiting and doing that and getting involved. This was a number of years ago. This was a long time ago. This was uh, Shivers when I say we started pitch baiting was probably 2010, something like that. Um, but, yeah, now it's pretty much uh, – a dredge, two bridge teasers and two lures, but a lot of boats down there are still pulling hooks and pulling hooks. And um, so there's some guys down there just rolling a dredge and three teasers, you know, that's yeah. it. And just, everything. but I'm a bit bored of that. I like, I'm a lure fisherman, you know, I like, uh, I like to fish with hook and catch the big ones with a hook. I, I, that's what I am. I, I like to fish with lures with hook, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, now it's just two bridge teasers. On my old boat, I had some uh, 130s bolted to the hard top with 400 pound mono. And, um, you know, all the way through to my big heavy snap onto my leader to my teasers and then two longs. But if if the fishing gets really red hot there, we used to change, you know. We didn't always used to fish lures on the long. Sometimes I'd skip, skip flying fish with, really? uh, yeah, 500-pound mono with uh, the old 18 or 19-0 circle hook um, on the longs with some little chuggers on the front, big, big flyers out the back, and that worked a real good treat. Actually caught the World Cup in 2020, caught that uh, 964 on a skip and flying fish with a 20-0 circle and 500-pound mono. That was a good fish. Well, tell us about that fish then, man. Let's tell you. I want to hear from 
if you marked them to the whole to to you till you put a gaff in them, man. Oh, or till you get back yeah. to the dog. Tell me about that, man. Oh man, well we we left on the first of first of July. We went over to Saint Nicolau. I was working all my runs over there on the southern bank. Tons of skip, not skipjack, but the smaller bullet tuna there, where the locals call Caicharinha. And uh, there were schools of those for a day and a half. We were fishing around these big bait schools, and I was, we didn't get a bite, saw a free jumper or something. So I said to the boys on the 3rd of July, listen, we're going to go northwest bank. That's like 75, 80 miles away from where we were. So the next morning we just chugged our way out of there, and everybody sat back and relaxed, and we got over to this other island, something tail. We cooked up a big feed, had a few beers, did a little bit of fishing at night and went to sleep, and then the next morning we – we left early to get out to the to the bank, out to the northwest bank, 16 miles off that island. Got out there and I just started seeing these big giant yellow fins busting and chasing flies. I went, oh, this is looking good. Bun- bunch of birds winging around. So I, I trolled my drop off there, which is how I usually troll the, the southern bank. And um, yeah, we, uh, we we caught four wahoos. I said, put out something just to see what if we can catch a tuna. And we caught four wahoos on the World Cup, threw them in the boat. <laughs> and uh, I saw a bunch of bait up way up in the shallows there, a bunch of small big eyes or small yellow fins, whatever they were, but they weren't very big. They weren't skipjacks. They weren't skippies, but yeah. they were yellow fin or big eye, I don't know. But um, we went up rolling all the way up there. I had my two skipping flying fish out and, yeah, here she comes on the right rigger. She came up, missed it, dropped back, and I went, hey, boys, there's a fish there. And I had my old mate, Olaf Grimkowski, Captain Olaf Grimkowski, and he was our angler. So it ate the right rigger, and he struck him pretty good out of the covering board, picked up the rod and went over to the chair, and we had him on. I, we thought it was a 600-pounder at first. And uh, anyway, the boys cleared all the stuff away, got the gas down from the bridge. I still had the gas laying in front of me up on the up on the wheelhouse there, up on the bridge. And um, so we tied everything off and got back. And I, I told my local my local crewman, Elton Forte Lopes, I said, "Listen, bro, just give me fifty percent of your power. Take a double and pull on him, and see what happens." And we came back on him pretty good, and we did that. And he came jumping right out behind the back of the boat across the transom, and I went seven fifty. And those boys all shut up. They all said nothing down there. They were like, oh, they were like, wow, and this. But nobody gave me a call. I said, I reckon it's 7.50. Anyway, we, we fought him for two hours on full drag and Olaf poaching. You know, Olaf's a big unit. He was poaching that drag with his hands. It was crackling off that real, real good. Anyway, we stick, come up. We wore him down after two hours. We got him the leader half a dozen times, dozen times maybe. A lot of times we had him on the lead. I just told him to dump him. He wasn't ready. And um, anyway, last time we got him, we stuck a gaff in him, one gaff in him, and, yeah, he sort of like turned belly up beside the boat and we slid him in the door and Olaf said, man, this could be this could be a grander. And I went, fuck off. I said 800. <laughs> I said from my 750 call to 800 and I stuck with 800. Anyway, we came into the dock and waited up. Yeah, it was 964. So with uh, no charter on board, just the boys. Incredible, just the boys, man. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, it was cool. I was lucky, mate. That was lucky because Sam P just put us in for that tournament during COVID, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a. Would you say that that would be, you know, when you think about, seems like your career has been based off of chasing big fish around to win, to win, like what you really love to do is chase, chase big fish, it seems like. And for that, for for you, 
for you to to win that tournament that is basically a worldwide tournament about the biggest blue marlin is that would that be close to the pinnacle of your career or, well, or maybe a goal maybe um yeah it's definitely a goal i'm uh, it's like that's one of the hardest ones you know i haven't i haven't waited a grander as a captain but um i've been a part of four kills you know um of granders but for me that there weighing that fish was it's uh how can i say that's the not many people have got that cup you know yeah yeah for sure no it's yeah. i was definitely really happy about it and i was you know like stoked but yeah i don't know i don't know what my pinnacle of my career is yet man i'm still charging i'm still going I'm, sure. I'm gonna make, find it with this next boat that we got with sammy you know yeah dan peter's there with this uh gns boat and see what we can do with this thing yeah. i'm not i'm not too much on world records and stuff but i'm still i still like to catch a really big one like uh that 1370 and um in the in the Cape Verde, those fish are around. I've seen a couple of nice ones down there, we, which you, we couldn't catch, you know. And um, when you say I you, think let, you you didn't get a bite, or no, or we you... we hooked one up. Me and me and in the early days, there, me and Zach Conde on the Andromeda hooked this monster. Um, and Zach was calling it fifteen hundred, and this thing was just a one of those ones that you were in awe of. And yeah, it went down and died on us. We put on a a fish extractor that was like a, a device that you could put on a line mm-hmm. and attach another line to it. It's got hooks coming back up this way. Yeah, yeah. Little things. And we dropped that down with a downrigger ball to get on this thing in 600 metres and super rough seas between two islands where we had this fish. And um, we had two big, strong Russians on there. They were just useless anglers, pardon my French, but uh, they were. And anyway, we... We had him. We had him coming back up out of six hundred meters on one, and we got the other one onto the action. And we started seesawing him to get the fish come up with the swells. And yeah, we broke one back on, and then we broke the next. But uh, it wasn't without trying. Yeah, fish was crazy. fish was uh, actually the fish is on my uh, Facebook uh, profile. That fish, it's hard to see it, but because it was so far away. But if you can look at that blue marlin. You won't see too many blue marlin like that with the, the weight going all the way to its head and all the way, follows all the way back down to the tail. It was a, it was a, a massive fish, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Who knows what the – who knows? I'm, I'm just going fishing, mate. I like fishing, and uh, that's why I'm in Cape Verde because I know that's where the fish are. For sure, man. Yeah. Sorry to get sidetracked, but there's so much to talk about down that place. No, no, man. man we can – Get sidetracked all we want, dude. That's that's I love hearing about those the fish. I mean, you know, the stories are always best for the the ones that get away, you know. Like I'm oh, sure you know, when you said yeah. that 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 you know, typically when you when somebody says around here on the east coast, if you we couldn't catch them, it's probably because they pulled a hook or something, but not like actually because we literally had him hooked and we couldn't yeah. catch him because he was too big, you know. Yeah. Well so. that's 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 you know, and most of these world-renowned fishermen, Barky Garnsey, uh, Peter B. Wright, rest in peace. All of these guys, they are always saying the biggest fish they ever saw was in the Cape Verde waters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so. Yeah. I know I've seen a couple real big ones there, and every year there's monsters seen. Yeah, and uh, I was surprised that the Azores didn't have uh, any any granders caught there. There was a lot of good crews up there this year. There was a lot of good guys fishing, you know, and. Mm-hmm. It just shows you, man, it's not that easy. No, it's 
far from that. I'm terrified to actually hook one in a tournament. Yeah. We're just, that's just not something we do. And, uh, and I'm no. like, and then it could happen, you know, with how we fit oh, here. Sure. And, All those Bisbee and that you want to have a guy on there in case that happens. You know, you need a guy that's got the experience of what to do because I don't think, I think these big fish experienced guys is far and few between these days, man. They're, yeah. You know, sure. you get a big one goes down and dies on you you know you got to plane some angles up i don't know how many captains know how to plane angles up. well let's let's fish. talk about that because I, i've you know i have my my ways of fighting fish that get deep and i think a lot yep. of people do but what is really take one uh because it's a big one how how are you going to fish and and how are you going to fight it after the hookup and talk to me from the initial basically from the initial hookup and do you think well, do things differently if it's a Oh, if it's sure. on a pitch bait or a lure? 100% I do. Um, if it's on a lure caught fish, um, I'm, I'm looking for where that fish is hooked, for starters. Mm -hmm. You've yeah. got to see where it's hooked, you know. If he's a skin skin hook on the side of the face, you know you're going to take him light and you're just going to back your drag off and try and get a, as he's swimming away from you, back up to him and try and get him to stall out somehow and take a, take a gaff shot. Easy on the leader, but heavy on the gaffs. Um, yeah, there's the, every every fish is different. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of similarities how they fight and that. But say if you get them on a big pitch circle hook with cable, I'm going to go heavy drag straight off the bat. If I know he's hooked good, I'm going as much drag as my angler can handle, and I'm going to go at him quick, and I'm going to use a lot of drag. If he goes down, I'll back off the drag, and we'll pay him pull some angles around the front or off the side and see which way we can get line back on the reel better and carry on that way. But, um, yeah, lure fish and pitch baits, totally different. Gotcha. Do they tend to, yeah. um, like here, what I've experienced and I've done most of my fishing off a, off of a, what I would say like a continental spot, like central America or the East right. coast of the United States. So do they yeah. tend to, here they tend to swim swim offshore almost once they get do their thing and they jump around a little bit once they get down and dirty it seems like they swim almost exclusively offshore even not even even considering the current i don't, the current. I don't do know they... but most of these big ones i've hooked the ones i really want to get them good they always swim into the hardest sea that you can they can find where it's just <laughs> shit you to fight them you know yeah. <laughs> take you out of the shit they just know they never yeah. swim into the they say, hey, come and come and gaff me in this calm water. They always yeah. go buggering off to some nasty current place with there's waves everywhere. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know, man. The bigger ones go where they want to go. But I've had one this year. Oh no, it was it wasn't this season, it was last season. Angler Chris Claxton from the UK. Beautiful guy, good angler, good, real good joker. He um we hooked this 850 plus right in off this drop off, right in Sunton Towers, a big ledge. And anyway, this fish took us into 20 meters of water. So wow. we could see we could see the bottom. And um, yeah, and we had like we have 40 pounds of drag on him, which was wasn't the most we could put on, but we had 40. It was on a lure. We seen him mm -hmm. hook pretty good, stay stuck 11 0. Um, anyway. That thing got into the beach, right up to the beach there, and he turned around, did a U-turn on us, nearly swam under the props. 
yeah. And then he took yeah. us back out to the jumps and he went back in and we, we spun around on him again. And yeah, it was amazing. I thought we were going to go, he was going to beach himself 20 meters yeah. on myself. He was in the water there. Wow. Pretty crazy. Eh? So, you know, and if he swum the other way, he would have been in 500 meters and about very close and a quarter of a mile, not even that. You know, I'm yeah. talking 100 meters. He would have been in 500 meters. Yeah. So who knows, eh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's wild. I need to look at and, stats. What was that? I said I need to look at stats, statistics more. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those captains that writes everything down, which I should be. Me neither. And I say the same thing. <laughs> that's, mm. I tend to, tend to file it in my mind. It seems to work out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, but uh, that's you know maybe we'd learn a little bit better as fishermen if we did detail all this stuff down. But uh, yeah, I sort of like the not knowing of it's quite interesting to me. Not knowing enough about it—that's what keeps yeah. me fishing. I so I did notice I was watching a couple couple videos of Chase fishing in the Azores, and I, I didn't know—I don't know if this was a thing, like a normal thing that you guys do or he was doing, but like he would get a bite on a pitch. 80 pitch with a bent butt and he would feed it and come tight and he'd go to strike and then he'd go to full. Is that like a, is that like a normal thing? Okay. Oh, on my boat it is. Yeah. On my okay. boat it is. I don't know. He's fishing with my buddy Zach, but uh, you know, Chase comes from my breeding when he comes for fish with me, you know? So that's what we do anyway. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. If you get the reaction on 30 and it's peeling off pretty good, why not go to 50? Drill it in there. You know you're good. Back yeah. at the 30, good to go. Gotcha. Is that that's your some, thinking behind it? Hey, some of those big baits, you know, they they can swim around with 30 pounds of drag and not know they're hooked. I've had plenty of baits eat eat the skippy with the circle hook and still mm -hmm. swim up my transom while we're clearing teasers down deep. And I'm just like to the angle, okay, just just wind when you can. And when he turns and runs, sit back, you know. And yeah, yeah. We'll be Rolling ahead, clearing all the teasers and stuff, and and the longs coming before he reacts. And sometimes he'll go out there and have a look at a long rigger coming and being cleared. They, now, when he when he's got it, is he just got it in the dog bone, or is he got it? Ah, he's just holding on to the bait, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why you see these big guys on the reef. They, you know, they're, they're not striking their fish with light drags. They got forty five mm -hmm. pounds of drag on their on their bites because. Those big blacks can hold, same with the blue marlin, they can hold that pressure. Mm -hmm. And if your yeah. floss, if your floss is held up too long on your pitch, big pitches, you know, too grunty floss, well, you just want him to, so he can eat it. But uh, yeah, you'll, he, he'll pull that without even being hooked. He'll pull that 30 pounds of drag. Yeah. Yeah. We like so going up to. So your theory is basically to, if that happens, and he finally turns your theory is to go all the way to full and and let that make that make that hook come out from the pitch bait and find somewhere that you yeah, actually exactly. hook him you want to hook him closer to the boat you can hook a fish the better you're going to be yeah 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 but you want to you don't want to overhook him too quick you want to let him get away get down you want to let him have it you know yeah but uh yeah, that's a that's some anglers push the drag up too quick. I'm always like, hold it, give it a long free spool, you know, like when I tell you, when I tell you, you know, and then mm -hmm. as long as they don't bird nest it, they're all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pitch baiting a 130 with an 80 on, it's not that easy. No, not at all. It's a it's it's a skill and you know, 
But that's that's you know, fishing, you know. Yeah. You want to be this big game angler, you got to be able to do that shit, you know. Yeah. How? That's what yeah, I'm, how important is like having somebody who's who knows how to fish but is able body enough? Like, you know, we we I think everybody runs into, especially fishing at the level of a big sport fisher or in your case a a charter that's yeah. in a, in a far off land you're going to be dealing with older people more often than not like but it still oh, helps sure. if they're able bodied yeah. for sure and then a lot of my guys with the sea conditions i say hey listen if you're not comfortable to pitch it get one of my boys down there both of my crew are able to pitch a big a big bait and um just jump in the chair they'll hook up the fish and give you the rod you know and there's mm -hmm. there's no doubts about it that uh, a lot of my guys can do that but a lot of my guys like to pitch their own that's their yeah, yeah. that's the they want to come down there for war on one with a big pitch, you know. That's what they want to do, mm -hmm. you know. But sometimes we make. I'm, I'm pretty slack with my big pitch. I'm always pitching fifty. We catch a lot of our fish on fifty pound uh, chair rods, you know. So they're comfortable to pitch those. Yeah. And if you don't get your call right, you know, because we we towing our teasers real close to our boat. Our our teasers are, are so close. You got to be watching, because if you get one up on it, and you don't see the size of them. You know, you want to make your right call. Yeah. So just, you know, but we catch a lot of our big ones on 50 pounds because we've made a mistake on our call, you know. See, we've got <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of 750s on, on 50 pound tackle, man, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to sort of like make an amends for that in, in this new boat because I think my pattern will be a little bit further back. So we'll get a better call for what we want to pitch them. Yeah. You know, do you think but they're down there and they, they kind of come in on the dredge or they look at the, propellers and they look up and you they see oh, your teaser and then by lots of people had them sitting behind our following our boat totally lit up blue sam peters caught a 700 with us rose it up on the teasers we, we were doing figure eights trying to look for him he's down there just following our props totally blue then he drifted back and then sam hooked him on the on the 80 pitch but um that fish was with us for about a minute and a half just looking at our props totally blue from the bill to the tail everything on it was uh electric blue wow it was amazing to see too. He was lit up that thing. What's the longest you've you've had a fish follow you around for? You think? Well, I'm in Ghana. We had a we had a filmmaker called uh, Gerardo Long. He he made this uh, video, the video cassette because it was so long ago. Um, he timed one. I think it was like five and a half minutes. Was behind our wow. boat. Yeah, just cruising he, with us. Were you guys fishing no hooks so he could get the video? Or no, we were just... fishing. We were fishing all lures with hook, and that it was okay. uh, a called uh, Blue Marlin of Ghana by uh, James G. Bridge, who was Gerardo Long. It was it was a pretty cool video back in the day, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had underwater cameras to a full time uh, two twin screen visual console down in the down in the V berth of that uh, Harrow Matan. And on the Shire Three, it was a cool setup. We had his cameras on his on the outriggers there, looking down under our shore mm -hmm. baits, you know, getting the bites. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Five minutes with a yeah. big big fish like that. That's yeah. I mean, if yeah. they could all just follow us around for five minutes and eat at the end, that would be about perfect, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's awesome. So. Going back to the fishing that you guys have, um, the the way you're fishing is like a hybrid: the dredges up close, and the bridge teaser, and then a lure and a lure. Yeah. Um, 
you found out how many, depending on how many fishes around I, I will change i do a lot of live baiting down there too i live okay. bait a lot when the conditions are right we'll go to live bait sometimes we'll go to skip bait i'll skip bait around all the baits you know mm -hmm. we'll put out two baits on the longs and put the dredge out put my put my teaser down there at six knots you know and just yeah. have a pitch go we we uh we sort of like fish to the conditions you know what i mean like if it's a, if the fish are eating live baits we'll go live baiting if the if the fish are you know bait and switch fishing if they're coming just on teasers we'll tease a fish mm -hmm. but uh my usual pattern is bridge tease one dredge two bridge teasers and two lures and then we'll okay. if it slows down we may put a shotgun out we may put another dredge out. We may, you know, it, it, it all depends on what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes, as the old saying is, less is more. You know what I mean? For if sure. there's, you a lot, wanna... there's a lot of fish around, you don't want too much shit out there. Do you find that they tend to, if you do have a lot of stuff, they tend to get confused on what to eat sometimes? I, I think you can confuse fish. Yeah, you can give them too many options. You know what, if it's a big one? get the shit out of the water if you're pitch bait and get both those bridge teasers out man because i've been sacked so many times you know thinking i can get it away and you just can't um yeah clear everything if you got them on coming in your right teaser and if you're lucky up there to have electrics push that one in and get both of them coming in you know because yeah you eat that bait good you don't want them to sm smash your teaser and come off and then be a bit wary and not eat your bait so good yeah yeah but to, as I say, it's like tournament fishing in Cape Verde. Everybody's this good bunch of fishermen down there, man. So everybody sure. wants to catch some daily tournament every day. Yeah. Well, this year we caught. What did I do? I fished a, I fished a hundred days, a hundred and two days, and caught a hundred blues. Wasn't the best year, but it's not. That's still not bad fishing. I mean, I think averaging a blue marlin a day is pretty much phenomenal most places in the world, yeah. except for Cape Verde. Yeah. <laughs> not non non sonar boat. Non-sonar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now you can't say that. You're going to have a sonar. You're going to be the enemy now. Oh. <laughs> the pressure's building, bro. The pressure's building. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. One, it's all good, mate. Average in a blue a day. That's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I was fishing. My last season on the Henricus that way, it was a it was a good season. I've got good crew. I've got good anglers that fishing with me, so that makes my job a whole lot easier. You don't get many beginners down there, do you? Oh yeah, I get. I've got really? I've got lots lots of people that started fishing with me, didn't know too much, and now they're coming back on their fifth and sixth trip. You know? Wow. Yeah. So we we cater for everybody, man. We we're pretty easy going, man. We we're very open and. If someone's no good at something, I say, hey, listen here, man, you're shit at that. we got to practice on this, and I'll get them practicing doing this. I don't yeah. cut around the corner, mate. I just tell it how it is. I don't, I'm not going to yeah. hurt your feelings. I'm going to tell you the truth, you know? Yeah. So if, if you like that, you'll be okay with us. You know That's what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we have all walks of life and really good. I'm very happy and very proud of the people that fish with us. We, we've got guys down there for 10 years fishing along with us you know so that's a, it's pretty cool that's a lot i mean that says a lot about you you and your operations that you've been you've been in charge of because it's it's not a small undertaking even to come from europe i'm sure it's not a small undertaking no. to get the cape verde let alone the state the state this is what I, as I said these people are flying across countries to come and fish with us so we mm -hmm. gotta we gotta be you know we gotta show them what we can we're not there sleeping in the corner you know yeah. we're we, we're really trying to 
succeed in this charter fishing business because we know if people come back, we can still be allowed to do what we like doing, which is marlin yeah. fishing. Yeah. Yeah, that's super important. I feel like that's a, like I said, it says a lot about the programs you've been in charge of to yeah. to have people travel that way that far to be to be there and and go fishing with you you i think it's an it's an incredible achievement man it probably goes yeah. probably goes understated yeah well it's it's not just me it's my whole team my, my, i've got a really good young crewman called elton forte lopes he's been with me since he was 16 he was he got seasick he gets seasick every every year for the first three or four days he's sick he's complete seasick yeah. but then he gets over comes away and uh yeah, he's he's a he's a great uh, asset to the team, and uh, to have a local crewman doing so well in his career like him, that makes me sort of proud. Because you got to give back to the local people there. You want we want to involve them as much as you can, you know. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about the community there in Cape Verde and how a difference in Mandelo versus San Nicolau, where your house is. Oh yes, yeah, that was a tiny little place, man. Uh, you know, we know the mayor, we know the local MP, we know everybody around. You know, everybody knows everybody's business. Well, not not so much in that way, but it's a it's definitely a fishing community. You know, there's a small dock there, there's an ice plant, there's a, a little there's going to be a fish and vegetable house they're just making now, so they can sell the fish there. And it's a it's it's a really cool island, and it's very safe. And you know. Um, People go down there. They look at Cape Verde. We used to get told, "Oh, Cape Verde's dangerous. You can't go out. You can't do this." Ah, uh, there's some little street kids around causing problems. Little teenagers, you know. But that's about it, man. Especially yeah. if you want to go look for trouble, you can find trouble anywhere, you know. Yeah, for sure. But uh, for me, I think it's one of the safest places I've ever lived. Yeah, probably safer than New Zealand. <laughs> incredible <laughs> um and then in mandelo is mandelo the biggest biggest town on on the three islands uh, M- mandelo's uh mandelo's the island where all the boats are kept there's the marina okay. there and the sport club which i'm involved in um but there's eighty thousand people live on the island there's a there's a few street kids around causing a little petty crimes you know mm-hmm. dealing sunglasses and trying to you know get what they can but if you just don't even talk with them and carry on your way you're going to be fine yeah yeah but so, uh, the main island is Santiago, and they got like four hundred thousand Cape Verdeans living there. And Santiago, oh, wow. the capital, prior. I got you. That's that's a little different over there. I, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors about that place too, but I can't say because I haven't been there. But I remember when I first started going to Cape Verde, and they said, "Oh, be careful in Mandela, be careful." But I found the place actually really good. I didn't think it was that bad at all. And then, and then as far as like. I don't know. I, I'm just curious, man. Like, yeah, not just from a like, is there a fair bit of things to do in in Mandela? You can go hang out and oh, there's some bars, there's some bars, restaurants, there's some nightclubs. If you want to wait till about two o'clock in the morning when they start, oh, straight to the nightclub, straight to the boat. Gotcha. <laughs> not anymore. Too old for that shit. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff going on down there and. Uh, Depending on what time of year they have, they're very festive. The the Cape Verdeans have lots of music festivals. They're very, you know, they they love their culture, man. There's always big parties going on, tents on the beach, big proper DJ and people singing and bands and music. There's always that stuff going on, which is good because COVID killed that for a while and it really sort of like was wasn't the same sort of island. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Mandela's Mandela's got it's got some nicer hotels moving in there now. It's it's definitely. Coming more of a tourist place. 
um, which is good for us fishermen because we're going to have better locations and better hotels to stay in, you know, for yeah. the higher end people who don't mind that. But um, yeah, I think it's I think the Cape Verde is coming ahead in the right direction, and the the people there are good, man. The people the Cape Verdeans are good people. Yeah. So I'm I'm just yep. looking here on the map. So you you mainly fish those those three islands that are to the northwest, correct? Yeah, northwestern group. Yeah, Santantau, San Nicolau. Then you got three uninhabited islands before you get to San Nicolau, where I built my place. They got you. And yeah. Um, what about the rest of the the fishing in in the other islands? Is it is it just as good? Or yeah, nobody knows. I I can continue all the way along those those islands and what i tend to do if the fleet's doing pretty good if one island say they're in sun and town everybody's seeing one and two and three mile in a day mm -hmm. you know i might stay there and i think well i can pretty much do the, that in my island and i'll leave one morning early get up early and and troll all the way to where my island is or if the guy was wants to run and pay the run, running fuel i'll, I'll run yeah. that way um so you have the free idea to move around and yeah. Just because the, the charter fleet's catching it there doesn't mean it's the best place to be. For sure. I mean, yeah, because yeah. you don't, I mean, like you said, the, the fleet is, is you know, maybe half dozen, 10 boats on on a good yeah. day, yeah? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 10, 12 boats on a good day, but like everybody might see two or three fish and you're like, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm going to stay there. If you were two boats there, maybe it may be really good, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the just the way I'm looking at it. and the people that come fishing with me i always ask them i always give them the option i say hey this is what's happening here or do you want to try this you want to try that you know i'm always given and they always say what do you reckon i said well it's, it depends on the skill level of the angler and how many fish the anglers caught you know yeah if you want to gamble go look for a big one let's go by ourselves and let's go run these areas and do this and do that i'm pretty lucky because i've got some experience there and i sort of like sometimes it pays off for me but you know sometimes i'll go 60 miles troll one day 60 miles that way get there and find out the water's green and there's no no current or whatever you know what i yeah. mean and then next morning i go all the way back but that's the gauntlet you run because sometimes you get it right and you go all that way and you'll you know you may catch 10 yeah no i mean it's you, know? you, you got to kind of try to what i try to say is you try to stay ahead of the fishing a little bit you know you can't be i mean chasing reports is great you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get some bites, but are you gonna are you gonna have that day? Probably chances are probably not where you're gonna have a day where you see, you know, ten or twelve or something like that. Roger, yeah. Roger that. If the the less boats around you, I think that's the better chance of you getting more fish. You know, but yeah. it's pretty hard to leave because everybody talks on the radio. Everybody's giving you the information. You know, so yeah, yeah. that that can screw you. Also, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. that's one good. Th about Cape Verde, everybody's still pretty good with the charter fishing and nobody's holding back info. Everybody's like, all the captains down there are half decent jokers, you know, and they're, they're telling you what's going on, which I like. Yeah. Because it gives, it's, make sure all the charters get, if the, if the captains are getting the information, the charters getting the information, that that feels, makes the charter feel good. They know, oh, there's Marlin here. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And then, um, I wanted to ask you too about the uh the stay stuck I assume considering that you know you're running a boat for Sam now Sam Peters yeah. like yeah. you had you had a fair you had more than a fair influence on 
on the research and development and and the theory oh, behind yeah. it. Can you? I I honestly haven't fished with one, so I mean, could you explain that for to me and yeah, other people yes. who haven't fished with them? Well, Sam Peters, I'll tell you a little bit of history about the hook. Sam started developing that hook years and years ago, and um, to where we got the hook now, we went through like. 13 different prototypes to where the hook is at now. So it wasn't just bang, that's what we're getting. There was a whole lot of testing and a whole lot of stuff, and I was just a part of testing it. You know, Sammy wanted specific things done, and I said, I'm very open to it. I really like the concept. And when I first saw it, I was not a believer, man. I said, no way. This is shit, you know. <laughs> and then we started working, and, yeah, we were like, 10 for 12 on the first or 10 for 11 on the first time. And I was like, holy shit, man, I'm, I'm a believer now. (laughs) Anyway, it's, it's a, it's a lengthy, quite a lengthy hook. And it's got three rings that are held by two clips, an inner clip and an outer clip. And they, they pinch down to a certain pound pressure over those rings. And so when you're fishing, you've got a long, you've got a long shank J hook which is really good for penetration and very good for hookup. When you fight it, it snaps away those clips and you're pulling from a lower part of the hook. And that's called, when you start pulling hooks, that's called the rotational torque of the hook. So what happens is when you've got a long shank, your rotational hook, you can really pry that hook out easy. It's like if you've got a wheel nut and you're you're trying to get a wheel nut off. If you've got a... If you've got a spanner, which is short, you can't get any leverage. You put a big, long bar on it, you've got lots of leverage. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the hook. So you've got a long bar, long bar for leverage for the hook to go in. Once you're fighting 17 pounds of pressure, you should break that away, and then you're pulling them from a very low point of pull to pull the hook. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm not makes very good at perfect it. For me, no, I think it, it's it's well articulated and makes, makes perfect sense. Sam, Sam Peters is the brains behind it. I just helps dialing some little small little errors and testing and stuff but yeah. uh it's amazing listen i run that hook for three seasons and i've got over 70 percent in all three seasons you know wow. and we count every knockdown sammy made me document all the bites that we had and he tried to he wanted me to rate them like was that sort of good bite or bad bite you know and mm-hmm. so i i was had a notepad in the bridge i was documenting everything for three years and um yeah it was that's pretty amazing. And just recently, Olaf, because I, I hooked Olaf up with some hooks, and he got to 84.5% in the Azores wow. this year. Caught 56 out of 62 bites on the Stay Stars. Wow. You know, so. um, I, I would be fishing there with him, but I had I was waiting for my boat to get ready, and um, so I couldn't fish the Azores. It gave my, my, my job away. But he was pretty much running the drag settings and the style that I was fishing. So... I know it works, you know, and um, that's a great concept. And to be honest, you're silly not to pull that hook. It's really uprating your hookup rate, you know. Gotcha. And is there a recommended, you know, or not maybe not a recommended, but a, a drag pressure that you, what do you guys typically fish in general on I, before the stays ducks and now oh, during oh, it? I'm a, I'm a 17 pound man on my strike, okay. man. I gotcha. like my seven pounds. And uh, if the fish, if the fish is just sitting there lollygagging and doing and shaking his head and doing bugger all, I just leave it there. But mm-hmm. if he turns and he starts running, I'll grease him to 25 in the covering okay. board, you know, and yeah. then leave it there for a second or two, then just come back to 17, then go to the chair. Okay. If you if you understand what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. So you so, yeah, so you're so, you're typically 
you're going to fish on the bite and say maybe maybe your 17 is halfway the strike or something like that and you get yeah. a bite he's taking drag well, you'll go to 25 and then you'll backtrack exactly. off the 17 to pick the rod up and go to the chair Roger. And, you know, I'm not pulling my drag like I see a lot of guys pulling these super fast mm -hmm. drag. I'm a, I'm a slow pulling drag. I, so when I look at my reel and I see that 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 reel just coming off, I know I've got 17. Yeah. You know, going off at a rate of knots, I know I've got a lot more. But I'm, I like my slow drag pulls. I got you. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, it's an amazing concept. Can't say that, that hook is... That hook is a badass hook, and we're going to see some good things coming up in the future here with that hook. Yeah, and um, I mean, I would assume since you fish, spent most of your life or most of your career fishing uh, lure fishing, it's been it's been a pretty revolutionary thing. I mean, you've seen a lot of bites with lures. Oh, mate, for sure. You know, you you've got some of the best names in the game tro trolling that hook. You know, you've got Marlon. Marlon Parker from Kona, Hawaii, he's the man up there, man. He's trolling yeah. our hook, you know. Yeah, yeah. That guy's done a lot, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking, that's an experienced Marlon captain right there. So pretty proud. we're pretty proud of that, you know. But uh, uh, the, hook's, the hook will speak for itself, is what we say, you know. The hook mm -hmm. will speak for itself. That's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm curious. We should probably try it because we suck at lure fishing. So. Mate, that's if you're in these tournaments, and that's what you got to rely on. You, you got to have that in your arsenal, as well as your pitch baiting, as well as your your skip baiting, as well as yeah. your dead, as well as your live baiting. You got to have all of those packed into the punch. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, speaking of pitch baiting, man, we like, like I said, we we mainly focus on light tackle fishing here because we have mostly white marlins here, but. We do see our fair amount of blues. I, I say here at Ocean City, we're like on last year, we were like one in five for whites to blue ratio. This year right. is more normal. It's it's more more one to eight or ten. So right. we, we on this boat, we I say that we just have the, the pitch bait out there for another teaser because that's how bad we are with it, man. Like, so can we talk about how you know, maybe what hook you're using and what, what sort of rig you're using. Or do you snell your guys' hooks? Do you crimp yeah, them? We, yeah, no, we on our 50 pound pitch, we just have, uh, we have, we're using like a, a 300 pound mono snelled on there, but we do a, a, my crewman's doing this double snell knot. I think it, I think it originates from Nick Bovell from uh he's a he's a trinidad guy that fishes on with uh on the just who was it the just deal or no uh i forget the name of his boats but uh it's like a double strength snell knot and we snell him because some people are saying it's breaking off right at the knot right where it goes through the eye of the hook so this knot actually uh allows it to be pulling onto mono and not into that groove of the hook yeah, yeah. where it would cut off but we just basically use two 250 to 300 pound mono and snell it on a 12-0 mustard, man. Okay. That's it. Simple. And then we just put a little chugger between that and our ballyhoo or our flying fish or our small tuna, you know. But mm -hmm. you don't need, you know, you can catch you can catch really big marlin on 250-pound, 300-pound mono. You yeah. can catch. To kill, it's a different story. you got to kill him with the boat, not with yeah. the leader. you got to fight him in the fight, you know. But uh, 
you guys, I know you guys, you're dink bait fishing up there. Every now and again, you have these big blues show up on your teasers. You've got to be mm-hmm. able to get a good bait from them. Yeah, for sure. And we, we've, I don't know, we we got more success fucking them off on the pitch bait and then catching them on a dink bait. You know? <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, I think you've got to downsize, maybe downsize your hook size and downsize your leader size so we can scoff mm-hmm. that bait down. Whatever good bait you got, you want to make it splashing a little bit so we can get a hold of it. I reckon yeah. uh, a, a man, if he can get a hold of a bait, he's going to eat it a lot better than he can feel a, a small ballyhoo or, you know, a, a large ballyhoo is quite small for a marlin, depending on the size of the marlin, of course. But yeah, yeah. Other pitch something that he's got a little, he can get a hold of, so he's got it, you know, and then just yeah. give him the ha- drop back unless he eats a real good going away or something. But, uh, it, yeah, depending on the bite is when you're going to feed him. That's what yeah, I say definitely. anyway. But, uh, yeah. And then your, uh, your say on your 80 pitch, pitch what, do you, yeah. what do you guys do there? 480, I use that 480 uh, Marlin Marlin's, uh, strand cable. It's real soft. It's okay. 408 pounds. I use that on my hook sets too at times. It's a little bit weak for that. you got to really pay attention looking at your hook sets for, you know, when you get that fatigue on your cable and stuff. But uh, I like it because it's super flexible and I reckon it really helps the hookup rate. Yeah, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. Yeah, but we have uh, we use that BKK eighteen o or I can't remember. No, it might be a. I'm not sure the size of that BKK, but we uh, we crimp on that cable and we have a six feet of cable, and then we have a loop to that and then onto mono with a, one of those stainless steel Flemish uh, thimbles. Yeah, and then I just I just tape that over so it's sitting nice and pretty. But I like that cable ring on the eighty pitch, so there's okay. no chafe. I've chafed through too many 500 and 600 pound monos on big marlins, so I don't do it no more. Really? Gotcha. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you feel like do you feel like that cable's a little little bit more flexible than five six hundred pound mono as well, or is it? Oh yeah, and and, and there's nothing. There's no resistance that'll slip into that into that corner easy, mate. You know, you yeah. can feel it. Feel it go in there. You yeah. know, uh, that's a on a big pitch. I'd rather have cable any day, and that 480 okay. is quite small. You know, it's quite a small diameter. Mm-hmm. and it's flexible enough to we just crimp it we don't smell it we just crimp that and shit she rolls in those bkks and they're nice you know that that fish is going to jail even when you just come to strike you know you got them <laughs> yeah gotcha <laughs> all right well uh, we were using the bkk but we'll uh we'll we'll try the the uh well, the cable I like next the, I like the eagle claws too mate they're just a little bit soft you know you can open them up but you know, if you've got to kill fish, you as I say, if you've got to kill fish, you're always going easy on the gloves, aren't you? You're not reefing on them. You're taking it easy. You're just doing yeah, yeah. You want to go light gloves on the big fish, you know? That's that's the, the key to having a good leader man, you know? On, that on in, your t- in, let, let's talk about that. Like, um, you know, you're, you got – you're running the boat. You're coming up, and you're 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 gonna kill a big fish. And you're saying you want soft gloves. You don't want to be yoking on him, so he <laughs> freaks out and jumps around like you typically would if you were gonna let him go. Hey, you want to wire that thing up so you can park your boat right alongside him and slide two gas into him. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. And yeah. you, that's when the the, the mate's got to listen to his captain. Yeah, you know, because the captain's driving the show. He's your quarterback. He's saying, okay, bring him up, shut up, dump him. Even though the mate don't need to dump him, the captain says dump him. You dump him because there might yeah. be the captain might be thinking two two moves ahead of what the mate's thinking about. Yeah, 
you know that's yeah. the the crewman is a is a huge part you know of of this uh this team of the sport that we're in mm-hmm. you know if both of your boys on the deck can get on super good and listen to you you're going to catch way more fish yeah for sure period period mate if those boys down there getting on real fine and they understand what you want you're going to catch way more fish than fellas arguing down there and you know especially when it comes to that crunch time when everybody's really like zoned in on the big fish and you got the gas hanging out oh and it's a little bit tense yeah you gotta have you gotta have some a lot of a lot of faith and and confidence in the people you're down there with they're on, on the boat with man it's oh, just a better sure. experience overall <laughs> yeah. so exactly. but, but that's what we're so fishing you, we're fishing those days hey eh? we're fishing for that time to come around again yeah so when you're uh you say you know the crew member like i i, I don't know my theory is to like he you have a certain amount of, amount of drag that that the rods, the the rod and reel creating and the angler yep. creating. Do you? I'm I'm, do you, I'm obviously I'm obviously talking about the scenario of coming back on a fish, not bringing a fish up underneath the boat. Okay, you know well, what let's I mean? talk about let's talk about both. Let's go with the coming back on the fish first. Yeah, that's the way I like to take them, but it's not always the way you get them. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're coming in, and you're he's he's up in these maybe surfing down waves or something like that, yep. and you're coming. You're really coming back on them. I'm coming back on them, but I'm not driving over this. I'm coming along trying to get right down the side of them. Mm-hmm. And then I want the mate just to pull up the slack. And, you know, he's got to be able to dump, but he's got to be able to still hold the leader, dump, shorten them up, shorten them up, shorten them up. I'm going to bring that boat right alongside of him. And then that mm-hmm. gaff man's going to be basically nearly standing in front of that gaff man. Okay. You know, yeah. and he'll reach that first one. And then if you've got another good crewman standing on the opposite side, He'll read where the fish is going next for the second gaff because I, I still think the second gaff guy's got the hardest job. Really? Yeah, because he's got to get that gaff in another good hold spot, and he's he's behind two people. He's got the yeah, leader yeah. man and gaff man because you don't want two gaff men on one side. You want them. You want to split them. You know? Yeah. Because if that fish gets the first gaff and does a big lunge jump around across to the other side, and nobody's there, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to drag everything across to the other corner. You so, want someone there. So do they switch at when when do they basically take their sides and then do they switch roles if if these switches and the, the guy say on the on the on the on the right side corner he switches and, and well, then the fish yeah. switch to the left hand side? Does the do they basically say when you're a gaff man down there, get either side of your leader man. Mm-hmm. Don't want okay. two guys on what happens if the leader man one guy has a swing and a miss and the fish jumps around the other side there you want okay you know it's better to have one guy either side that's what i was that's the way i was taught you know but uh a lot of guys got their own way each boat's different but that's how it is on my boat i like one guy either side of the wire man if you've got a a second gaff man you know yeah absolutely yeah yeah we're talking about jumping off the bridge and swinging hooks i'm talking about a guy standing down there ready to, to swing you know yeah yeah but um, yeah, shivers. I haven't done that for a little while. Would like to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. I, took, I killed an eight fifty in the Azores uh, last year. But yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a mistake. But yeah, that's it. Eh? you only get good by killing. I know that you only get yeah, good by sure. killing. There's no real. You know? There's no real substitute for it. And that's that's one thing. Oh. You know, we around here, 
we we fish catch and release tournaments and then we fish catch and release most of the time and then yeah then that then there's two two or three big tournaments here where you're looking at life-changing money and you you most even even the best of the best boats around here don't really get a lot of chances to do this that they bring the best boats bring somebody in well that that's pretty smart because you know you do get that one on there and everybody's going well i don't know what the fucking do yeah you know you might say you know what you want to do you know you might know what you're doing at the bar after a fucking couple of handfuls but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're in the cockpit and you're right there and they're going oh what do you do you're like fuck do i know man yeah <laughs> yeah pretty funny so we were talking about when you were actually chasing a fish with the boat and then yeah. when you then when come- you when we're talking about this like are you mainly talking about is the fish going to be going away or is the, the wireman going to bring them around to the the heads fish in this the same way? Or I mean, I I know it's not yeah. an ideal situation. Oh, um, like, well, there's a, there's a video actually your father was on board and uh, we were, it was this year and we caught one about seven fifty, and you can mm-hmm. see that you see how I positioned the boat with the fish. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to find it to you and shoot it to you. Okay. Um, but all fish are different. You just gotta you gotta listen to the captain and the mate will because I'm gonna attack the fish that way. The mate, I'll make the mate look good because I'm gonna give him slack to the fish. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You don't. I don't want him reefing on it. But there's gonna be times where the fish goes deep and we're gonna pull him up on the side and he's coming up towards the boat. You know, the mate's yeah, gotta yeah. stay in mate because if the fish squeeze if the fish comes ahead fast you're going to put him around into the wheels if he's down deep and if mm-hmm. the mate can't keep his head up on the surface so the best thing to do is the mate stands in the back corner when that happens don't walk up to your wheelhouse okay. you know yeah you want to so what happens if that fish is going under the boat the captain can squeeze ahead and you can just you'll go out the back you know what i mean but if yeah. the mate's warrant up near your near your uh, going to your saloon you know and the fish decides to go under the boat you're fucked. he's going in the fields you know yeah so that's why i always say if, if you if we're picking up the fish that way coming up from deep and uh always get, get the crew in the back corner and never let your crewman stand in the middle of the back when you're going back when you're chasing them down sea and you're getting the leader even mm-hmm. if you get the lead in the middle of the boat Go to your port or starboard because your captain can do something with the boat then. Don't get stuck yeah. in the middle of the boat leadering fish. It's not a good place to be. One corner or the other. Then the, yeah. the captain actually can do something and drive the boat to the fish. If yeah. you're in the middle, he's pretty screwed. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I I you know, you can you That's can what the definitely wife, the leader man needs to be grab the leader, even if he gets it in the middle. Don't be worrying about getting those wraps first. I always pinch pull my my swivel to my rod tip, make sure the angler's safe. Then I'll chuck a back wrap in if I can, or get a double quick short double, you know, and then move to my corner. Yeah, and that yeah. allows your cat to be able to more maneuverability with the boat, even the big boats that you fellas fish on. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, I've I've always, you know, it's it's easier to back past the fish and recover versus versus you know if you get pushed on top of it by a wave especially because yeah. a lot of these fish like this oh, yeah. the fish to swim down sea and you know it's not a you know the the sea conditions are pushing you that way and then right yeah it could be it's i've always preferred to keep them off to the side and try to recover from a mistake versus you know having to stop the boat and then 
having to reset everything again. You know exactly. Oh, you're saying. Yeah. Cool, man. That's it, eh? It's uh, it's all, and you know what? What I'm saying is works for me. It doesn't mean it's the rule for every boat, but this is what I'm saying is what 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 I've been taught. You know the ways I've been taught, and well, you've been taught by works. people, and also through experience. So you've learned. You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you guys. There's very very few very few groups of guys that that really you know, tangle with big fish on a regular basis, you know, in this, in this industry. So. Yeah. They probably end up being like me, broken old and worn out. <laughs> <laughs> well, seems like you got a fair bit going on. Um, yeah. I'm happy, mate. So. I'm, I'm still fishing. Put it this way. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to my new ride. That's it. And uh, just, I'm looking forward to the next season of fishing, to be honest. And I, I, I love, I live for the fishing, you know, yeah, then me too, man. I, I, yeah, um, I got to make it over there. I'm listening to you talk like it. It's never been somewhere that's been realistic for me, but I'm just. I think I'm gonna have to make it just to come see it one day. Yeah, grab a grab a couple of people, you know, and uh, we'll rig it up with Sammy. I'm I'm gonna be running the boat down there August September. I guarantee you, mate. We're gonna be finding them down there. And there's a lo- there's a guy that quoted or stated he caught five granders off my island, and he didn't start fishing. Till he didn't usually start fishing until end of July, and um, he, he's killed five granders on the Saint Nicolaus, a German German guy. He was in a Marlin magazine ages ago. I know the Joker, but uh, gotcha. that's what he's stating. I never saw them. I saw some photos, but I never saw the fish. I never, I was never there when he hung them up. But gotcha. Wave Paver saw a big fish down there. We we've seen fish down there in August before. July has been can be really good fishing there as well as well so yeah we'll see how we go stand by for that one all right man well marty i appreciate it dude it's been a all right it's been an absolute pleasure it's been an education and uh i i got a huge admiration of what you guys have built and they're still building over there so yeah i man, appreciate come on it man okay birds uh a friendly place and you're going to have a good time down there mate and there's a whole bunch of good captains and there's a good camaraderie around most everybody's really cool down there and uh yeah it's a it's a good fishery to be a part of awesome man well i appreciate it dude like i said it's been an education so i yeah. appreciate and just the, the time i leave remember if you, you guys are wanting to up your game on your lure fishing for marlin give the stay stuck stay stuck hooks to try because i'm guaranteeing you mate you're going to be a lot more happy than you are with just the regular j hook for sure we're gonna to have to give them a try man and uh how do people get in touch with you to, to fish in cape verde I, if they need to facebook or instagram man okay facebook or instagram that's how you get a hold of me and um yeah come fishing in, in the cape verds man there's plenty of good charter boats down there there's uh uh it's very friendly you don't got no malaria or no diseases you know, you're probably going to have a good time and drink a few too many cold super box, but that's okay. We can deal Perfect. with that. Yeah, for sure. So, well, cool, Marty. Thanks, everybody, okay, for listening. Check out uh, yeah. hookoptics.com, please, if you guys have enjoyed it. Front runner boats. So, thank you, guys. Appreciate it.